Hello and welcome to my show, Conversation with Priya. I'm Priya Mishra, your host. And today our guest is Vimal Narayan. Vimal Narayan is founder and CEO of Matrix Healthcare. Metrics has been working with top pharma companies in supporting their commercial and medical plan and executing them across therapy areas and geographies, offering unmatched quality and service. Vimal says his business strategy has been to work with the client across region and geographies and hence he be their natural global partner. Vimal works with the existing bunch of science and technology fanatics who have created several first in the world kind of application solution across different therapeutic areas. Among many, his specialties are handle global top pharma in healthcare client, people management, senior management relationship, add big pharma qualities assurance, setting up a system and process for sales and operation relationship building, building new business avenues, handling large deal identify opportunity and develop newer market and clients. He enjoys setting up a new business avenues, identifying new opportunities, building relationship, business verticals and understanding the unmet need of clients and partners. Vimal is based in Bangalore, South India. So today I would like my audience help me to welcome Mr. Vimal Narayan. Hello, and welcome to my show, Mr. Vimal. Thank you for joining in today. Hi, Priya. Nice to meet you, and uh, thank you for inviting me. Pleasure. So I know you have been working in a wide variety of your um, in medical industry, and your Meditrix company is doing a lot of wonders in, in medical facility and medical areas. Would you mind in briefing out how this whole journey started for you? What excites you in that? Okay, that's that's, uh, that's the next way to start. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, so we um, started our journey in uh, 2012, um, and uh, we've been um, working with uh, several of our customers for the last eight years plus. So um, I have been in the pharmaceutical industry from the beginning of my career, which was in 1998, 99. And um, it's about 22 years, let's say. Uh, so I started with working with large pharma companies. And then um, this, um, by around 2008 is when I moved into the other side of the table, which is to provide services and technology and uh, content and support. I used to work with another firm. And then um, in 2012 is when um, this bug bit me, let's say the entrepreneurial bug, to think um, what if we could do what we're doing for others, uh, for ourselves, and, and a group of you know passionate people, let's say. Yeah. Uh, so that's how this uh, idea came in, and uh, we've been lucky. Um, uh, we've been profitable, uh, and, and uh, we've been growing. So we've also been uh, extremely um, uh, you know hardworking and perseverant to you know um, work and maintain relationships with uh, our clients who are large pharmaceutical companies. Right. in different markets like US, uh, Europe, several parts of Asia and Middle East. Isn't it is just uh, perseverance is everything, you know, being that consistent in every ways, whether, whether it is your serviceability, your availability, your performance, consistency is the key to success, isn't it? Especially when it comes to the actual customer serviceability. That's correct. Especially in, a, in an area like um, healthcare and life science, uh, it's traditionally you work with um, larger companies, 
yeah. with a lot of regulatory, legal, and medical um, restraints and challenges and hurdles. Yeah. Because they are allowed to say something and not allowed to say several things. Yeah. So um, the overall, if the if the, if the machinery is large, it will move slowly. So unlike the tech or uh, the some of the uh, let's say automobile uh, or some of the other industries, uh, pharma moves slow, mm. which means decisions are made slow, which means like you have to be patient. Yeah. I've had instances where we have been talking to clients for three years and then finally we got awarded uh, a project. Uh, but then the good thing is that we, we get to work with some of the largest brands in the world. We get to work with some of the largest um, companies in the world. And also we get to build a very, um, you know, valuable uh, relationship which can be carried because yeah. uh, this is something with a lot of entry barrier for anybody else to do as well. Because if I took three years, somebody else would also take a similar amount of time too. Um, that was just one example. Not everybody was three years. But, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like... Yeah, it kind of like started track. Yeah, isn't that's it? Right. Yes. We yeah. need to be perseverant in the in this industry because um, that's how the industry moves. So um, we we have one meeting to have another meeting, mm-hmm. and then have another meeting to have another meeting, and then finally a decision is made. Like let's say in six months, so we we need to be ready to go through that grind. Yeah, and I think it's a very much into any regulated industry. If you go to any regulated industry, it's kind of a common practice to have a like a you have to have a patience and continuity and perseverance has to be there. But when it comes to the medical industry, it is more regulated because their lives involved and you know other other elements are also involved. In that sense, when Medimix, according to profile, seems to be more of a medical facilitator, could you tell us how your business works and how what are the profit opportunities in that? Yes, so so Medimix uh, is a is a preferred supplier of medical and digital communications to several of the pharmaceutical companies, mm-hmm. which means in common parlance, we are referred to us by our clients as agencies. Right. So agencies is, is nothing but a, you know, you, you might know a, a brand agency or, or a digital agency or a, in our space, it's called a medical communications agency. Right. So we are a medical communications agency who specializes in creating medical content right. and also delivering them in innovative digital channels. Right. So that's what we specialize in, in the sense like we, we have doctors, PhDs, PharmDs who create medical content for us, for our clients. And then we have a bunch of um, uh, graphic designers, creative visualizers, 3D artists, AV, and, and a full production uh, studio of creative uh, folks who help us visualize that content or create those content. And then this is developed and programmed into, you know, uh, technology-based deliverables like apps, videos, or whatnot, or websites and whatnot, uh, by a full-stack technology team. So that's the, you know, in a top level, the structure of, of how we look like. Now. The profitability is, is because we have a global delivery model. When mm-hmm. I say a global delivery model, yeah. we have an office based in India, in Bangalore, right. in India. And then we have um, the services getting deployed in different parts of the world. Right. Uh, our primary market is US, mm-hmm. followed by uh, Europe. And uh, also we have presence in uh, Middle East, uh, in Asia. Uh, we are also doing projects now in China and Japan. So um, since we have the onshore offshore delivery model, right. we we tend to you know um, have 
higher margins of, of business, and we tend to be profitable uh, from the day one. So uh, but having said that, uh, we, we offer tremendous amount of cost savings to our clients as well, because we are able to uh, provide them uh, a direct savings of working with us, because we have this uh, unique offshore offshore, del uh, offshore onshore delivery model. Yeah. So having said this, it is a very difficult model to establish, because traditionally the agency world exists where the client lives. Let's say yeah. if the client is in uh, New York, the, all the agencies are going to be in New York City, right? Similarly, if the clients are in, let's say, Europe or, or in the United Kingdom, so all the agencies are going to be in London. So, so to have somebody in Bangalore and then service these large pharma companies in different parts of the world needs some, you know, taking to build. So that's uh, that's and the fight to the business. Yeah, hats off to that because it's. I understand how difficult it is to work in this industry. I know I'm working in that industry, and I I also worked in a multiple regulated industry in past. So I know it takes real courage and real effort to build that quality work which you are doing. I really appreciate and hats off to the to that you to you and your team. You know, it's. I be, always believe that a team is your army. You can't win a bar without that. So, yeah, so that's that's amazingly great job you are doing in that sense, and especially facilitating this particular area where not many people are actually tapping into. In this pharmaceutical field is considered to be a very rigid on use of patents and licensing. How does a company like yours fit into this scenario and ensures that the right of all stakeholders are actually protected? That's a, that's a very important question and uh, a topic which needs to be talked about. Uh, I would I would say, unfortunately, it doesn't get it, the the attention that it deserves. Uh, glad that you raised this point. Yeah. Um, if, if you look at the the scenario of of how pharmaceutical companies work, uh, it is on the model of patents and uh, licensing and and. Um, uh, um, a product has typically a patent period of, let's say, um, anywhere between six or five to 15 years, during which the, the, there is only one manufacturer who creates or manufactures that uh, product, and then he, uh, they have an exclusivity over that. So that's, that's how the model is, and, and that is to protect their intellectual property rights and, and uh, to also um, uh, fuel research and all that. So, so that's on the other side, that is on the client side of business. Hmm. So on our side of business, since we are servicing uh, or we are supporting some of our clients, we are um, forced to think like them, in the sense like we have to be like them. But we, we are not a product company, we offer services, we offer support. Yeah. Yeah. Typically what happens is whatever content that we create for our clients belongs to our clients as an intellectual property. Hmm. So what we create is, is their, their uh, property. So we hand it over to them and then our job is done. However, there are certain products and technologies and algorithms and tools which we own. Hmm. So our business has a mix of, let's say, product versus service. Uh, currently, it's in the range of about 30 to 35% of product and 60 or 65 to 70% of services. Yeah. Now, the model that we are going, in the sense like going ahead, is, is to build the product portfolio, that is yeah. to build more uh, intellectual property and, and, and predictability and continuity in business for us. Yeah. So my estimation is that in 
2021 and 2022, this proportion will go up to 50, and eventually it might go up to 70 or 80 and sort of stabilize there. So we will eventually in the next two to three years time, we'll become a company who has more of uh, the intellectual property and and uh, and, and uh, that's the direction that we are going. Yeah. Right. I mean, there are not not many people think about these things, but it is so Im important, uh, you know, aspect and the decision making scenario where people should definitely pay attention at a very early stage how they want to model their business and how they want to protect their IP and also the regulations and the renewal process and all. Not many people are aware. I'm, I'm glad that you guys are working on that. And we, we both are in agency model kind of thing, different agency model, but we are agency and we do have to educate our customer in that sense. What has been your experience with companies after the COVID-19 epidemic? Have you seen any market changes in, in the way business operates? So uh, definitely, I think um, COVID has uh, changed uh, the way business is done irreversibly. In the sense, whatever we are doing today is probably what we're going to be doing in the future as well, right? So um, I used to travel a lot uh, to meet clients in different parts of the world. So I, I, I would think that my travel is, is cut by 70%, even when we are all free to travel even when we all have received our vaccines and hopefully we will, you know, find some sanity in, in uh, the way the scheme of things are. But I would think it is going to be cut by 70%, which means the same thing is going to be applicable to several business leaders, to our customers and their customers who are, who are physicians. So um, somebody whom you would meet, uh, a medical rep typically meets, let's say, four to five customers in a day, or in some markets it's less, some markets is more. Um, I think that's going to cut down uh, a lot to a virtual call or a virtual meeting. So that's that's a fundamental level how a pharma company talks to their customer, right? Right. So the same thing is going to um, mean several different things for our customers, which means things are going to be different for us. Hmm. Uh, one thing is for sure, we have been advocates of digital engagement. We have hmm. been advocates of digital content. We've been advocates to go. Um, digital first for all yeah. of our clients, which means that um, uh, this is good news for us. So yeah. We don't have to go digital anymore because they have pressure to go right. digital. And so we, will, we are struggling with, you know, um, strategies on how to engage customers, let's say in a, in a key oncology area. Hmm. We're not doing a lot there. What can we do now? So right. so things which we were uh, considered as, as something as a risky or, or not ventured into or an unfamiliar path has become a more of a mandatory requirement now. Right. So I think it's going to be like this, um, and people are embracing it. Yeah. Um, look at the uh, results of the pharmaceutical companies or agencies over the last, let's say, twelve months in twenty twenty, for example. Uh, it, it's not been too bad. Mm. It's, it's it's been pretty okay. Mm. Uh, some companies have not grown very well. Um, uh, some companies have. Um, even large pharma companies have, there are several of them have grown in double digits. Several of them have grown in single digits. And mm. some of them have degrown, of course. Right. But then it's not really as bad as we would have thought for them. So the results are, are okay, right. uh, which means that this year is going to be even better. Mm. So uh, from a financial standpoint, things have been good. But uh, from an engagement perspective and how you will behave, how you will think leanly and, and uh, move faster, I think things have changed. Uh, and and I, I, I'm a 
optimist. I'm an internal optimist. So I, I believe at some some stage, whatever happened is, is definitely not good for all of us. Right. But I think we might see um, light at the end of the tunnel um, pretty soon, and it's going to be good for us. Yeah. I mean, things are changing anyway. Um, but it, it is getting more positive. People are adopted. So that's just like a deal market has been retail, relatively dull for the whole of last year. Do you anticipate any major changes this year and that what are major factors within the pharma sector in itself that may see tractions? So if you see um, in 2020, the top 10 deals, mm-hmm. uh, it is involving several of the top 10 pharmaceutical companies. So uh, they have acquired smaller companies and, and the deal market has been, again, as I said, not too bad. Uh, the first three months was was quiet yeah. until March. But from March, if you see uh, the top 10 uh, deal in pharma, I think it has been active. Um, big pharma companies have been um, acquiring smaller companies, like not, not real big ones, let's say, yeah. but a few billion dollars, um, which are which are attractive, and what is becoming uh, more common is that everybody is building special capabilities. In the sense, like something that that is unique to them, they are trying to acquire that to build equity for their stakeholders, of course, and, and build value for the customers and patients. So, from that perspective, the market has not been too bad. Um, I would I would not think that it will become very different because again, um, we are moving into a uh, an era of uh, personalized medicine. Yeah. So I think uh, the more uh, targeted therapies that we're able to bring, I think uh, uh, the more results uh, we want to see. And, and then I think a lot of smaller innovative biotech companies will 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 get acquired by the large pharma, and and uh, the deal market would get heated up, is what I believe uh, over the next let's say 24 months or so. Right. So things are changing and things are more adoptive towards people. I'm sure others will definitely follow. Um, but I'm sure this is opening up the global market anyway. And then which geographies in your words are best for your business and why? So um, if you look at um, the, the split of how the pharmaceutical industry is yeah. spread, yeah, yeah. Uh, close to about fifty percent, not not exactly maybe, but 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 about fifty percent is uh, U.S. Yeah. So automatically uh, that makes us uh, that makes U.S. as the first choice for us to to have all our focus on, and mm-hmm. followed by uh, Europe. Uh, traditionally, what we have been doing well is we've been doing we started from Middle East and then uh, Asia and then we moved into Europe. So right. um, we 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 do uh, well in Europe. In fact, we we do a lot of. Uh, uh, work in, in Germany and uh, Switzerland, um, where a lot of global companies are headquartered. Yeah. Uh, but still, I would think U.S. would be the single largest market uh, for the fact that um, 50% of the global pharmaceutical industry is represented by U.S. And uh, for the fact that you know the healthcare system is, is very, very advanced and uh, with the level of reimbursement and with the level of costs that uh, people are able to get for their grants, Mm-hmm. Uh, I think U.S. will remain as the top market for us to chase. And um, since we are talking about one homogeneous market, uh, it becomes uh, one language, let's say, uh, it becomes easy for our clients to operate mm-hmm. uh, from a regulatory perspective, to build things. And uh, the same thing will apply for us as well. So yeah. we talk about 
um, uh, regulatory environments and so on. So, so it becomes easy for us to operate as well. So if we create yeah. something specific for US, we already know that we are addressing 50% of the global pharma industry. So, yeah. so that, is, uh, that makes our life easy. Plus, uh, in terms of costs, um, uh, just to let you know, um, yeah. agencies in US, not only us, get paid more than uh, agencies in different parts of the world. So that also makes it as an attractive market, uh, you know, to go after. Yeah. So uh, in terms of, of course, in terms of adopting to the new market, in terms of getting the new requirement, um, in terms of language barriers, demographic, um, and also government policy, social economic system, it does all derive the business model, especially the business model, the agency business model you are trying to reach out to. So that's where you, that's why you are more focusing on US, but other parts are also it's a focus, but it's a slow movement as I guess, isn't it? Right, so, so, so what happens is like, um, the market is where the innovation happens. So, so when yeah. you have the companies where somebody comes up with, let's say, a new gene therapy or mm. a new treatment for a vaccine, like for COVID, for example, or vaccines. So, so these are the markets where um, innovation is going to happen. Yeah. And then these markets who are going to uh, support the world. Mm. So, um, followed. Uh, if you look at how the the, the pharmaceutical uh, industry is structured, if if I say, let's say, US is the largest market, then the second yeah. largest would. Uh, Germany or, or Japan, for example, uh, Japan has a, um, a certain uh, sort of a structure and the way it behaves, which allows for a local agency or somebody who's, who's structured locally there to, to flourish better. Whereas Europe is more open to um, anybody else to come and work with. So we, we tend to go and, uh, you know, uh, meet and establish our business there, let's say in countries like Germany and Switzerland. Switzerland being a small country has headquarters of several large um, pharmaceutical corporations in the world. Yeah. And uh, we are uh, happy to have uh, a couple of them in our uh, uh, in our list in Plantel, uh, like Novartis and uh, Nestle. So uh, it's, 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 uh, it's great to be there as well. So um, Europe is, is of course, one of the most developed uh, places in the world and, and it offers a lot of uh, scope for innovative medicines and, and uh, stuff, companies are uh, headquartered there, which means that it will automatically be uh, a top choice for us as well, followed by the US. Sure. Thank you so much for answering all that question and giving the insight of your business and the model you are adopting. And it is so needed, so needed in that industry. Um, and I can imagine, I know I know a little bit inside, not as good as you are, but it's really interesting to see how it works. Um, before you go, I would like to tell you how, if people want to reach you out, how they can reach you out. So, um, of course, um, I'm, I'm active in LinkedIn, uh, but then I can I can also uh, provide my email address. So if they want to have a chat or know about uh, what we do or, um, you know, have any specific question, I would be very, very happy. And we also have a, a team of marketing experts who can, who can, uh, who can be reached. Uh, so, so I'm very happy to publish uh, my uh, contact details and be willing to support anybody who has any question, information on what we just spoke about or anything else that you would like to know. Thank you. So all the details will be given below uh, our chat and descriptions and it will describe and you will be able to find his details on, on website. Thank you for, so much for joining in today and giving your insight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Have a good one. Bye-bye.
bye bye thank you so much for watching this video if you liked it and like comment and subscribe if you haven't already done it to know more about us visit www.corporality.global and also you can find more about priya mishra is on priya.sydney